Welcome to Mastering Your 30s, a podcast to guide women in their 30s about how to relax, enjoy the ride, and make investments for their future health, wealth, and well-being, and for women beyond their 30s to share their wisdom and experience with others. I'm Alev Bakan, health and nutrition coach and founder of Health & Co. Well, I don't know when you are listening to this episode, but I'm airing it after a mandatory two weeks break because of COVID-19. It hit me for the second time in my life, smoother than the first time, but still took me out of my routine, drained me out, but also gave me a chance to calm down and take a deep look into my self-care routines. Well, I'm having a comeback with not one, but two guests. And since I have two guests, they have lots of things to talk about. So this is a longer episode full of great information, things to think about, and tools you can start using to set priorities right away. Enjoy it all at once or in a couple of parts, but I'm sure you will love it. ladies welcome welcome hi hi nice to be here well this is a very special episode for me too because this is the first time that i'm having uh two beautiful ladies with me (laughs) Uh, uh, so can you please tell me about yourself and explain what you are doing so i'm allegra and there's if you can hear there's two voices besides Alec, um, Natasha, and together we are Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. Mm. And we're on a mission to help moms and caregivers prioritize themselves, save time, and accomplish their goals. Oh. And so a little bit about us individually. Uh, so I've always been a planner. Again, this is Allegra. I actually, <laughs> I found a calendar from when I was 16 years old oh my the other day, and I sent a picture of it to Natasha. <laughs> and it actually illustrated some of the things that we talk about in our books and our courses and so about when my child was about five years old which for me now is you know about nine years ago Mm. I realized that there were some things in my life where I felt like I was having a lot of success and there were other things in my life where I felt like I was struggling to gain traction, especially as a mom who had been really invested in my child. Uh, I mean, I like I breastfed for three years, right? So I was like super, not just hands on, I was boobs on. Uh, (laughs) All your body. Yeah, all my body. But when she was five, you know, Five is a huge changing point for kids. They're just so much more, uh, you're not so worried about keeping them alive. And I I felt like I had a little bit more time to sort of think about what were these things that I was not happy with in my life. And they were sort of like the personal and the the personal relationships and health area. Whereas like the business side of the financial side, I felt like I was doing well. And so I took a few days and I went to a Franciscan monastery, not too far, about an hour from my house. And I was just determined to figure out why I was succeeding in some areas and not having the results I wanted in other areas. And what I realized was that 
in the financial and business areas, I would come up with plans and I would execute on the plans and I would I would post more than the plans and say, hey, did that work well? Did that not work well? Mm -hmm. But in my personal relationships, like date night was not happening. And my health, I was not getting enough exercise. You know, before my kid, I just had so much time. I exercised a lot just because I had a lot of like, I remember 90 minute yoga classes. I'm like, I can't imagine doing 90 minutes of one thing right now, just because that's not the season of life that I'm in. Mm -hmm. So what I realized was that it, planning was what made the difference. And I think it's because, you know, I I learned a lot of project management and habit formation skills when I was getting my MBA in school. And so I just naturally applied it to like the business and financial side. But then when I started applying it to my personal relationships, you know, date nights started happening. When I started, mm -hmm. uh, you know, applying it to my health, I was getting in movement that I needed to get in for myself. And that's that was sort of the impetus of me thinking of planning as this, you know, planning makes everything easier yeah. sort of skill. And what about you? Yeah. yeah. Well, my planning journey is a little different than Alexis. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is very deep, like very, very deep. Yeah. We're coming to <laughs> Seriously. And a lot of like self-reflection and really understanding like where she was at and that kind of thing. And I really just felt like I had my wheels spinning. Like I was very good at planning and still am at self-contained events, right? Like a, 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 a professional summit or a, a concert or um, or birthday parties for my kids. So much so that people would say like, hey, you should be a party planner, which is not my thing, right? But I mm -hmm. loved doing it. And I was really, really good at things that are self-contained, like specific date, place, time, you know, that kind of thing. Really great at that. And the only thing that really was feeling like my wheels were spinning and was was when it came to me, when it came to myself and my self-care and myself and my personal goals. If it had anything to do with just me, I would just take those, those, uh, plans or goals and put them on the back burner. And here I'm looking over at Allegra's life and this poster going to the monastery. And, you know, she's just killing it. She's a homeschooling mom. She's got her entrepreneurial businesses. She's her family had just taken a month long trip to Oaxaca. And I was like, girl, how do you do it? Right. Like, how is that? How is it possible? I'm got my own entrepreneurial business and my kids. And I feel like I'm just like just keeping my head above water. So I had asked her and she had started to informally coach me, basically saying, hey, this is the planner I use. This is how I use it. And this all kind of unfolded just like late 2019, early 2020, you know. And so you can imagine what happened come March. Excuse me. I had said, OK, I'm going to sit down and really do this. And then March 2020 happened and oh. everything kind of fell apart. But um, Allegra then checked in with me a few months in and said, hey, listen, are you, you know, how's the, how's that been going for you? And we sat down and really, and over Zoom, she, we started to kind of do a deeper dive into, she's like, well, this is how I use it. And this is the way I do it and that kind of thing. And as she was informally coaching me, I was really having all of these light bulb moments um, because I do see the power of planning. I have seen it active in my life, but the biggest problem was for me, the consistency and then just also having a system in which, um, you know, I could rely on. I had a system for a specific events like parties and stuff, but I didn't have like a system for my life, right? And mm -hmm. this is, and so we started working together, and I was like, "Girl, we got, we can't keep this to ourselves. We got <laughs> other people know about it." And that's how <laughs> Beyond Your Wildest Dreams was born. So we created a course and workshops and books and so forth because we're not keeping it to ourselves, and that's why we're here today. We don't want. Well, we're not going to gatekeep. <laughs> well, th thank you for that because I think. 
like some people, maybe some people who are similar to Allegra, they have this this system going on. But many, many women, I think they need, including me, uh, they need a system. They, they Maybe they have a system, but they need to uh, make their system work. Because sometimes we hear about one kind of like goal setting and all these things. But then I think we need that uh, that key to make it personal and work yeah. for us. Because I think every person has their own thing going on, right? So it's not like one system is working for everybody. So, Right. And I feel like we teach less of a system and more of a how to think about think life about it. Yeah. so that it can be flexible no matter what stage of life you're in. Because as I said, I've been planning my whole life, but obviously I didn't need to, you know, I had a child later in life. I was 36 when I had a child. So for decades, things had just kind of been working well. I had a, I felt like I had a lot of free time because uh, I didn't have a kid. And, um, and so really it was when things, when my time, when my time shrunk because I had a child and I'm also now part of the sandwich generation, you know, my mother, uh, my mother, my grandmother is almost 100 and I, uh, you know, I support my mother in helping to care for her. And so, you know, it's just especially women, we're kind of the shock absorbers in our society mm-hmm. where when something unexpected happens, a lot of times we have to adjust. Adjust, yeah. And and if you don't have your mindset, if you don't have your priorities set properly, then you can end up sacrificing yourself on the altar of your family, right? You you mm-hmm. you absorb so much that you have nothing to keep for yourself, and yeah. you know your health goes out the door. I mean, I remember reading an article that said that caregivers' health actually uh, decrease decrease or get gets worse, oftentimes more than the people that they're caring for, yeah. because they mm-hmm. and 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 it literally the article just mentions this. It, it goes into it. It didn't talk about like, well, is that a like why like isn't that a bad thing and how can we combat that it was just sort of like here's something we've observed and well thank you for observing and i did not try to talk about it like how to help out with yeah of course yeah yeah well and natasha and i often talk about you know on the airplane they tell you to put on your oxygen mask first for a reason because if you're passed out in the aisle you can't help anybody yeah and 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 look, we don't want you to prioritize yourself just so that you can show up better for other people. We think prioritizing yourself because you're worth it is enough. End of sentence right there. And full stop, prioritizing yourself is enough, right? That there. I just want to make that point. I want to make that point because as a mom, like I absolutely related to this whole oxygen mask analogy, you know, so that I can be there for my family. But guess what? You're worthy of putting that oxygen mask on just for you, whether you have anybody responsible, whether you're responsible for anyone else or not. Go on, Allegra. Sorry, I didn't want to just jump in there and make that point. Well, and so the, the, the point that I was making was just, you know, for years I thought about developing a planner specifically because I had never found quote unquote the perfect planner and for about five years I so I designed my own planner and I would print out the pages and I would adjust it as I would need to adjust it and after five years what I realized is that there is no perfect planner because life is fluid life is changing what what needs to 
what needs to be flexible is your thought process about how you approach your life. And so that's really why I love what we do with Beyond Your Wildest Dreams is we really teach people the skill of thinking about all the different things going on in life, how to prioritize them, how to break them down into little bite-sized steps so that you can actually make them happen. You know, whatever the goals are, whether it's painting your kitchen cabinets or starting a business, you know, it it requires this thought process. Sure. Well, I'm going to get into that thought process and get some tips from you. But first, I want to understand how your program is working. So, uh, does it have a, like a set structure? How long it takes? How do we start the process? Let's talk about that. Okay, well, so just to go back to our mission statement, we we want to help moms and caregivers prioritize themselves first, uh, save time second, and three, accomplish their goals. And And the reason why we have them hierarchical like that is that it's kind of like, right, you need to prioritize yourself. That's you putting on your oxygen mask. Then you need to save time, right, so that you can have time to do work on the bigger stuff later. And so we have four books and we also have a two-day course. Hmm. And so let me just explain a little bit. So if you say to yourself, yes, I'd love to start a business, but I don't even have time to brush my teeth, then you need to learn to prioritize yourself. And that's where our book, Rock Your Morning, comes in. So Rock Your Morning, all of our books, by the way, are less than an hour to read. And they're not just books, they're workbooks. Because the sorting hat put Natasha and I in Ravenclaw. We are big brain science nerds. Mm -hmm. And all the science shows that you don't really learn something until you apply it. Right? Like, so going back to that article where it was like, we've noticed this issue. It's like, okay, great. Tell us how to, <laughs> tell us how to get out of that. Yeah. We, we should all to get out of it pen to paper and start, you know, start actually utilizing it. So that's, yeah, so we, we definitely, you know, there is, there's no, it's not so much a one size fits all. It's like, like, like Allegra said, we got to kind of assess, like, where are you? And so that first thing is, are you finding like, oh my gosh, I don't even have time to brush my teeth in the morning. So this is, um, this, this book, Rock Your Morning, which is all about creating a morning ritual for yourself and this is that's this is that self-care component that part of that part of like really taking care of yourself because self-care is not just manicures and pedicures those are great but self-care is health care and the more um the more i'm getting into closer to this milestone birthday that i got coming up i'm realizing how important self-care is and it's not just like a luxury or like a buzzword i know it's super popular you know self-care is a very popular topic right now but it's vital. It's like it's it's critical. And so that's one of the things that I'd love to like drive home to your listeners that, you know, where whatever portion of life you're in right now, taking care of yourself is so critical um, for so many reasons. Right. And so that is always first and foremost, the reason that we have those our three our mission statements in that order, prioritize yourself first. So whack your mission is that first thing and creating a morning ritual that works for you. And by the way, not to get it twisted like we're not talking about like get up an hour and a half early and now start doing this whole new thing we're talking about inserting one new practice that has been something that really supports you in your mental health your physical health your spiritual health whatever that might be so starting small <laughs> starting with one thing maybe it's 
getting up and drinking uh, 16 ounces of water first thing in the morning because you don't get enough water and whatever it is. It could be something very simple like that. I'm, I, I've talked to Allegra countless times about my stretching journey. Like I'm trying to get more <laughs> stretching in. And guess what? I started with my stretching with one minute. doesn't sound like a lot, but that's one minute more than I had been doing daily, right? And now I've expanded to two minutes. Thank you very much. You know, and eventually I'm going to be working that way up to five, 10 minutes and so forth. But we're talking about starting small. It's really important to start small in, in inside of this particular uh, category. Start small. You see big results if you do things. If I do that, 300, that's 365 more minutes of stretching a year than I had been doing prior, right? So starting hours of stretching. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, I think that's the biggest mistake that people are uh, doing. It's always like when they say, you know, I let's take your example i i will start stretching they think about stretching like for hours and hours like for right. 30 minutes for 40 let right. like you said just start with one minute one move mm-hmm. then build on it and right it will it will be a, like a strong foundation so you can build a b- better structure on a stronger foundation so 100 percent and your foundation strong build take time for it and see how is how is it working for you, right? And let me tell you, one minute has you know, I'm in that one minute, my timer goes off. And after doing that for a little while, I'm like, oh, I could go for you know, I could go further. Next thing you know, it's two minutes. Next thing you know, it's three minutes. And not only that, the other thing that we really recommend inside of this particular um area is going ahead and finding a place to stack that habit with another thing that you're already doing, right? So I'm already making a smoothie in the morning. So when I hit blend on my blender, that's when I do my stretch because I'm going to stand there anyway for probably a minute, maybe two. Sometimes, you know, so the blender may go for longer than it needs to. That's okay. But I'm going to be doing that anyway so that when I, so for me personally, like I'm going to make my smoothie every morning with my green, you know, green powder and all this kind of stuff. Great. This is a perfect time to go ahead and put that put the stretching in right so try to tie it to something that you're already doing if possible like drinking the water you're already waking up in the morning so try to just have that be oh first thing i do is drink the water or whatever you can tie it into you know maybe you have that glass of water right next to something that you ever do every morning like maybe it's right next to your coffee right and you know you're going to drink your coffee it's like wait a second before (laughs) i drink that coffee i'm going to drink 16 ounces of water and then you're going to run to the bathroom but you know (laughs) but you know, to to try and put that with something that you're already doing, the likelihood of you consistently doing it increases that much more. Like Allegra said earlier, the brain science backs this up. Starting small and habit stacking give you greater greater success. Um, and people also have trouble sometimes with the whole idea of like how long it takes to create a habit such as this. Um, the the popular conception is it's oh 21 days, you know, new habit challenge, blah blah blah, and 21 days the the, the research does not back up 21 days. It takes about 63 to create a new habit. And so you got to, this is one of the things like a little just sidebar I wanted to mention is just you got to be gentle with yourself. You've got to allow yourself to be, have some realistic expectations. If you start now with a new habit and in 63 days, that habit is now something that's established. That's great. That's amazing. That that In theory, then you could start four to five new habits a year, which doesn't sound like a lot. And we have, you know, just... New Year's has just passed and everybody's got their New Year's resolutions that they're that they're, you know, stacking in there and they want to like, you know, do five, six, seven new things. Start simple. Start week, in a week. They they right to do that in a week. So that, that's right. Was- exactly. It's not sustainable. And that's so there's a lot of like, you know, especially when we're trying to 
create and sustain and achieve goals. Um, there's a lot of like, you know, bro culture and a lot of like masculine energy around like, just do it and give 110% and fully commit and that kind of thing. And sure, that's great. But Allegra and I also like to say from our vantage point, again, coming up on some milestone birthday coming up from our vantage point, we see that like 70% effort gives you amazing results. And so what I mean by that is just like, you know, not to let yourself off the hook, but like some days you're going to have 100%, you know, 100% effort, right? Some days will be 30. Somewhere, you know, and somewhere in there, if you're consistently showing up 70% of the time, that is amazing. We both have stories about like doing a 100% day and she has a 100% month where she did 100% of the things that she said she was going to do. Not 100%. It was like 96%. Okay. <laughs> but I, yeah, I had a day like that too where I had like the whole thing just mapped out and listed and blah, blah, blah. You know, and by the end of that day, I found myself on the freeway gripping the steering wheel with white knuckles and I'm just like, I did it, you know, but I was miserable and I was a psycho with my kids too like I was not pleasant to be around and here's the thing I'm not making a case for being a slacker but I am making a case for consistently showing up and imperfectly showing up you know I have a I have a big problem with perfectionism and partnering with Allegra has been an awesome thing because she's got more of a mindset of like let's do it let's just go ahead and do it. You know, and I'm like, well, it's not perfect. I want to make sure all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. And she's like, let's step out of that comfort zone and go for it. And it, imperfectly perfect is excellent than absolutely perfect and not ever achieved or tried or or risked, right? Risking it imperfectly and going for it as opposed to holding back perfectly um, you know, and not going for it. Those are two totally different things. And believe me, you want to go for it imperfectly than never going for it at all. And so also I think learning from your mistakes, if somebody, some like some habits, some routines are not working, it, it's, it's also teaching you something, right? It's also teaching yeah. you that you have to, you know, take another approach or check your system again or check your goal setting again and yeah. work on another thing. So I think sometimes people, they don't want to uh, create habits, create routines because they are afraid of the failure. But mm -hmm. I think you have to, I, I don't want to sound very poetic, but you have to embrace it. You have to welcome it, learn from it and just let it go. Yeah. yeah, it's just information. It's just data. It's like, it's like, okay, so that didn't work that way, right? So what can I adjust? Or maybe this goal is really not something that I actually really want. Maybe it's what I think my my family wants or what I think I should be doing, right? So it's data. It's right, you know, it's like, okay, so I say I want to do this. I'm having trouble making this happen. Either A, there's something about this I need to adjust. Maybe I need to be trying to do this at a different time of day. Maybe I, you know, that kind of thing. And Allegra and I are huge proponents of assessments like we do a monthly course correct we like to say with our with our alumni and we do a yearly review which is you know something that we so it's a way to check in and say what worked what didn't work and also celebrating your achievements too you know these kinds of things but you're absolutely right the failure gives you information and um, lets you know what worked and what didn't work and how maybe you can adjust and we do a Natasha and I do a monthly, a weekly conversation every Thursday at nine thirty Pacific, twelve thirty Eastern. And if people tune, you can tune in many places. But people tune in there and they can see like our own journey. Like for me, my my Achilles heel is meditation. Mm -hmm. I have I have taken 
eight hour long courses. I have I've done all sorts of things with meditation. I've tried many different forms of meditation and it continues to be something that eludes me now. Now I'm experiment. I say experimenting because I've tried so many different things and for decades, for decades. It's like meditation is the hardest thing for me. And now I am experimenting with meditating to uh, solfeggio frequencies or solfeggio. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's an Italian word. Solfeggio frequencies. And I'm enjoying that. But I also, last year, I had a solid six months where I was meditating with this one practice. And then for some reason, like that practice was no longer speaking to me. So I'm not sure what it is that I'm going to learn on my crazy meditation journey, but we all like there are things that I am great at and there are things that I still struggle with. We all we all have our challenges. And the thing with our book, Rock Your Morning, is that we don't tell you what to put into your morning ritual. We just tell you how to think about putting one together. And your morning ritual might be five minutes. It might be 15 minutes. But, you know. It has to be authentically you. It has to address your needs and fit with your life. So that's step one, prioritize yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So we got kind of got on when we were not on a bit of a tangent, but yeah, that's that's the pl- first place to look. And then if you're finding that you are needing to save time, right? Because that's our next that's the that's the next category. We have a we have a, a workshop and this book, three, two, one done, this workbook on how to really strategize your to-do list. Because I am a and I've always been like a major to-do list maker, but that doesn't it hasn't always been the most effective. And in fact, sometimes my to-do list would be anxiety producing as opposed to anxiety relieving. And so we have three strategies to help you with your to-do list to be, have it be more effective. And and again, this is the everything we talk about too is like uh, some of these strategies you might instantly be able to assimilate and some of them, you know, may take some time to really incorporate yeah. them. And we really encourage people to like have this idea of like, take what you like, see what works. If it doesn't speak to you, you know, put it on a shelf, maybe come visit it again later, you know, and really customize it to yourself. Like, so when we say we have like a program, it's very customizable. It's very much like, where are you in your, in your journey? Where are you in your process? And, you know, we're floating these, these, um, these, these tips that have worked for us and continue to work for us. But, you know, even if you incorporate just one, just like the habits, if you just incorporate one, that might start really making a difference for you. And three, two, one, done. Uh, Three Simple Strategies to Get Your To-Do List Done. This is definitely our most instant win of our books. Like you will walk away from this workbook immediately more productive because basically there are a lot of things that we do around our to-do list that are counterintuitive or counterproductive actually that keep us from actually making progress on things we want to make progress. So what we like to say is, you know, in the planning community, there's an axiom for every one minute you spend planning you save 10 minutes of doing. Mm-hmm. And this workbook really, you will never look at a to-do list and not know where to start again because it gives you a clear framework. So Rock Your Morning, it takes a little bit longer because you have to, you know, it takes it takes a while for supplements to show the benefits, right? It takes a while for the stretching to to feel intuitive. It, t- it That just takes a while. So, but three, two, one, done, you're going to immediately see the benefits. Right. 
And then if you're ready to start thinking about these big goals that you have, or if you're ready to say like, you know what, I just kind of want to think about my life more holistically. That's Mm -hmm. where our two-day course, it's a two-day virtual course. It's January. We only hold it once a year. It's January 20th and 27th, 2024. And if you can't attend it live, you do have access to the videos for three months. And we limit it to three months for a reason, because brain science shows that if you give yourself unlimited time to do something, you just keep putting it off. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because chances are, yeah, because we we, 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 ba- we bandied back and forth. We're like, should we give access for a year or unlimited? And it's it, we, we limited to three months, not because we're stingy, but because we were like, we want you to use this. And we know that if we give you a deadline, you'll actually probably do it. Yeah. <laughs> and right? also so, build on each other. Mm-hmm. So if you do one, if you do module one and then you wait three months to do module two, you're going to have forgotten what you did in module one. Mm-hmm. You're going to start back over. So this this way you allow one to two weeks between modules and that's enough time that you haven't forgotten what you learned. Right. And the and the two week, excuse me, the two day course is basically broken up into day one where we, we call day one excavate, which is just kind of like, let's take a look at really what it is that you are committed to. What is what are the things that you that really spark spark ex- excitement and joy for you? Are there dreams that have been buried? Maybe your old dreams don't work for you anymore. And we walk you through processes about how to excavate that, how to clear it off the debris of everyday life that maybe has been cluttering that up and take a look at what's what you really truly like is your desire to to do be have in this world and we so it's really a lot more of like a a um a deep dive deep digging into your own self and what's what works for you and plus one of the main things that we we um purport as like a motivating factor that then allows for you to have this like long-term life design is what are your values what is it that you pri- what what is it that you really value as a person and then prioritizing those values because some values you may have a, a myriad of values but they're not all necessarily equal right there if everything is all has the same value then again you may not know where to to look first or what to go ahead and go after first so that day one is really about all about that a deeper dive it's really kind of about like t- taking a look into yourself and 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 teasing it out and seeing what's seeing what's there in a in a in just kind of a like a, a you know a more holistic way i know for me part of my problem with backburnering constantly is because you know what there was a dirty diaper i had to take care of or somebody had to be picked up from school right so the constantly like light life these these things that happen in life that need immediate attention mm-hmm. always got precedent over what is Natasha looking for feeling? I have this great idea to start this other business that I really wanted to start. It really aligns with what I want to do. Awesome. Great. Oh, wait, my kid is sick. I got to go. You know, oh, there's a birthday party. I got to go get presents for, you know what I mean? Like, and so that would constantly be backburnered. But when you get into like, okay, here are my priorities. This is how I want to show up in my life. This is how I want to show up in my world. This is how I want to show up for myself and others. Ah, okay, great. You know, like, and really being able to see what's important first. So that's day one. Day one is about that excavation. And day two is about execution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how, so how do you then, now you've got it all laid out, like what it is that you want to do, be, and have, um, how you get there. That's day two. And Natasha's experience of being sidetracked by daily life is not unusual. There's there's a statistic that people spend more time planning a vacation than planning their lives. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah. and it's, you know, it's just 
like if you think about it, you say, oh, yeah, how much time have I spent planning my life? And that's that's just very normal. I mean, especially you know, as American, Natasha and I are both Americans. There was no plan your life class in school. My parents never sat down and said, let's talk about planning your life. And, you know, the... And to be honest with you, I also never seen them doing it actively too. Yeah, my parents, you know, like, so it wasn't something that I learned also by watching. Which is the natural way they were talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, they are talking about their dreams, they have their plans, but I never, to be honest with you, uh, see that actually like sitting down and planning it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, like how? So you are great, guys. Like me too. We're not on our own. That's part of why we are so. I mean, not just the fact that we're parents and caregivers, but also we also feel like the greatest opportunity for creating change in culture is by empowering parents because they will, if it's useful to them, they will teach it to their kids. Mm-hmm. Right? Every December. Our family sits down and we take out our calendars and we plan our mommy daughter and daddy daughter days and our date nights. We lay them out for the following year. And Mm -hmm. that's a habit that my daughter will have seen for decades by the time she has her if she has her own family, Um, because that's the most natural way to learn is through osmosis. But we're trying to help create that culture change now by teaching parents how to do this, that they can pass it on. Um, And so. You know, this whole idea of prioritization of values, you know, people, I think most people think that they have values, but if you ask them to name them, they probably wouldn't be able to name them. And if you ask them to put them in hierarchical order, they definitely wouldn't be able to do that, which is why so many times, right, someone has something planned with their family and then they get a job or something to do with their work comes up. Uh And what do they end up picking? And it's like, well, if you really sat down and thought about what are your priorities, you might have picked differently. I'm not saying you would have for sure, because maybe there's a reason to do the work oh, thing. Mm-hmm. But there's an urgency or something, you know, like, yeah. yeah. But being really clear you know? about your priorities allows you to establish strong boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it helps you to say no to certain things because, no, that's not a priority of mine. Actually, that's sort of where this prioritization came from. I heard the story about Richard Branson mm-hmm. and he had spoken to a group of CEOs. And one CEO was so enamored with Richard Branson that the CEO wanted to bring Richard Branson to speak at the CEO's company. And the CEO kept throwing money at Richard Branson's people like, I'll pay $50,000. And they said, no, 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 I'll pay $200,000. No, no. Mm. And the CEO was like, what will it take? And Mm. Richard Branson's people said, sorry, we weren't clear, but Richard has four goals. And if speaking at something does not move one of these goals forward, it's an immediate no. Oh. And so just to have that kind of clarity, to be able to say, I mean, look, he's Richard Branson, right? $200,000. I make that in a second. (laughs) But... But I've had similar opportunities where, look, if you if you look me up, you will see that I have had a very interesting entrepreneurial journey. And it's part of why I feel like I can talk about this stuff so well is because I have done a lot of different things in my life. And there was always this bleed over period where when I stopped one thing and started a new thing, people who knew me from the past would say, hey, do you want to do blah, blah, blah thing? And sometimes it was fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. And because I had become really clear that, nope, this is not 
mm-hmm. what I want my legacy to be. I'm no longer spending my time on it. Here's someone who can help you. I was able to say no rather than, you know, being seduced by the money, which would then draw my attention away from what I really want to focus on. And spoiler alert, having these kinds of boundaries circles back around to self-care again, right? And really being able to like having having boundaries is also a form of self-care. So yeah, drinking your water and doing your stretching and getting your supplements, self-care, 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 but also having clear boundaries and being committed to the oh, thing that you know is self-care, right? So it's really, it's, it's, it's very, very helpful, right? Because I, I personally have, so Allegra and I, while we have this business together, we're very different though too. So I do want to say that like, Getting my boys, and I mean all three of them, my husband included, to sit down with a calendar at the end of the year, <laughs> they would break out into hives. There would be a revolt, right? And so we do it a little differently in my home. <laughs> and so, and so, and you know, like the way it works a lot with our family, like I do it, I do on Sunday night, I'll do a thing we call it the partner page. And I just write out to my husband, like each day, like the things that he needs to know about our life that week, right? Like if you're picking the kid up for this, or I've got this, or we got a, a game after here, whatever it might be, and our date nights, right? That kind of thing. So, he doesn't like to really think too much past like, you know, tomorrow. So we <laughs> handle it that way. And, you know, I have hope for us. We we can maybe someday and sit down with all of our calendars. But um, I say this because, um, it, you know, it's and it's a, it's just a, it's a little bit different for for everybody. We not all uh, go ahead and do it this way. But the prioritization thing, too, for me personally, I've like I mentioned earlier, if something comes up, in the moment that seems urgent or, you know, has a, has a pull on me, even if I've got something else planned, I, my, my default used to be, oh, I can find a way to squeeze it in because I hate saying no to things. I've got major FOMO. Like I just like it really, I'm like, I'm going to miss out on something. Right. And realizing that like, A, I can't physically do it all. B, Maybe I really don't want to just because something's offered to me. I sometimes didn't consider, hey, is this really in alignment, right? Is this really in alignment with what it is that I want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my default would be so, you know, maybe if you don't have all of your priorities um, hierarchically ordered at this moment, look at your habits. What are you saying yes to everything just because somebody a- is asking you to, right? And that could be anything from a PTA thing to to a party to you know a, 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 an event. Um, if I find myself thinking or saying the word squeeze, like oh I could squeeze that in, that's a full stop. No pause. That's a no right up. Just like Richard Branson's no. That's that for me would be a a hard stop. No. Now that no could be no to this new opportunity or it could be like a no, let me stop and, you know, take a really assess, hey, can I, is this new opportunity more in alignment with what um, I'm now being uh, with, uh, with my life as opposed to what I already have planned? But generally, if I use the word squeeze and it's been so helpful to me because Allegra was there yesterday, I said the word squeeze out loud. <laughs> and I was like, Bing! That's my red flag. And it's maybe it's not maybe it's not the word squeeze for you. Maybe it's a different word, but like find out what that thing is that you use to it, it was so funny too, because it was for something for me. It was like, oh, I, for you. Yeah. She was like, I was like, I was like, oh, when's your daughter's concert? And I told her, and she's like, I think I can squeeze. And I was like, Oh, she's not coming. Yeah. <laughs> because I 
I could find a way to squeeze it in. I really could, you know, but it would be making that day even crazier than it already is. Right. And as much as I want to support her daughter and we love music and I'd love to go to the concert, it's going to have to be a no, especially right now. You know, like we're we're in that holiday season and post holiday season now, too, where like, you know, people are getting back to their lives and things, you know, after that, that whole um, holiday season. Uh it's a really good time to assess like, okay, is there something that I'm squeeze? Am I squeezing things in just for the sake of it? Or is it really in alignment with what I say I want to do and be and have? Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, so you have those two days workshop, but you also have like a regular uh, coaching program too, right? <laughs> yes, we do. Um, we do recommend that people who want to be coached by us go through Harness the Power of Planning okay. just so we can have the same verbiage so that we know that we're thinking about things the same way. I see. Um, obviously, if someone has, has all, you know, if someone's further along on their planning journey, like mm -hmm. people come to us at different stages in planning. Uh, and so if and by the way, I know the word planning is kind of a squishy word. So let's just define planning as thinking strategically about how you want to go about doing things so that you can save time and energy. Mm -hmm. Right. So some people might be further along on their planning process and and maybe we could help them. Right. Maybe they're like, I have my values and they're in hierarchical order. I know I'm clear about these goals that I want to accomplish in the next mm -hmm. one, five, 10 years. You know, we could probably help them. But we do usually ask people to go through Harness the Power of Planning first. I see. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I think we, we talked about your program and we talked about those great tips that we you were also using in your program. And as you know, I have three questions for you too, so that, you know, our listeners who are in their 30s can maybe find something relatable in their life right now and start questioning themselves. So, and my first question is, what were the breaking points in your 30s that made you maybe change something in your life or in yourself? Oh, such a great question. <laughs> yeah, great question. So this is Allegra. I'm the sort of person who really seems to uh, exhibit stress physically. Mm -hmm. I don't if people ask me if I'm emotionally stressed, I rarely feel it. But my body will be like, nope, slow up, slow down, girl. You're going too fast. And there were two points in my life where I was literally physically just waylaid by my body because of stress. Oh. So the first time I was in college, and that was earlier, but in my 30s, I was working for a company and I had taken on two people, two levels above me had quit. And so I had taken on their responsibilities. Oh my. And I was not being paid more money for it. And the company was not being, the company was taking advantage of the fact oh. that I was a capable person. And they were not telling me when this was going to stop. Um, and it went on for months. And at oh that point... I didn't have the greatest body mechanics. I was always wearing heels. I would always sit with my legs crossed. And so literally, I was literally bedridden for three months in my 30s with uh -huh. a frozen up back, which ended up 
they ended up finding a herniated disc. Oh. But honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, it's just so fascinating, the body, the way it works, because they said, you know, with a disc this herniated, you shouldn't be able to stretch the way you've been stretching. That's why they didn't look for a herniated disc, because they were like, oh. there are things you can do. And my my mobility was so impaired. And I think I was 30. To the, to 32. I was 32. My mobility was so impaired that the that after three months of physical therapy, traction, you know, massage, all these things, the, uh, you know, uh, steroids to help with the inflammation, the doctor said to me, I don't think it's going to get any better. I don't think you're going to be able to be as athletic as you used to be. And if you get pregnant, it's going to be very painful and difficult and oh yeah by the way you need to stop wearing heels oh <laughs> and i was 32 and you know the what the doctor said to me was exactly what i needed to hear mm. right what did he have a good bedside manner absolutely not no. was he was he what did he bolster me up no but you know what i needed that challenge honestly you know Natasha and I talk a lot about reframing. Looking back now, I realize that he didn't he didn't mean to help me, but he mm -hmm. helped me because he waved a red flag in front of me. And in my mind, I said, F you. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm willing to do to get my mobility back. Mm -hmm. And instead of doing the one hour a day of physical therapy that I was assigned, I start I I treated getting better like it was my job because I had taken a leave of absence from my work. And so literally six to eight hours a day, all I did was physical therapy. And within a year, I was able to ski a black diamond slope. And when I got pregnant, literally no issues. No complication. Yeah. Uh, no. And in fact, now I hike with a 30 pound backpack with my dog towing me because my back is super strong now. So, um, so, you know, what I would say is that listen to your body, you know, don't, don't believe what the limitations people want to put on you. Uh, stand up for yourself. You know, I ended up quitting that job shortly thereafter. They, they had promised that they would offer me a separation package that included consulting for them. The, I gave them six months notice the last day that I was there, they're like, oh, can you just wait? I, we still don't have it. I said, nope, I'm out of here. Like, mm. clearly you're not valuing me mm -hmm. and I'm gone. So, you know, know your worth, follow your inner voice and don't believe other people's limitations. That's great advice. <laughs> At any point in life. Um, the breaking point for me, quite honestly, in my 30s, and this is it's it was too big of a breaking point to to not mention, but my journey with my personal relationship to alcohol and drinking um, really came to a head when I was 33. And so it's and and I um, I wound up going into a 12 step program and I get that that's not right for everyone. But um, and I, I have to say that it wasn't to the point where I was in 
is such a state that everyone around me would say, oh, my goodness, she has a problem. But I just knew internally Mm -hmm. the way that I was thinking and relating to alcohol was not healthy. It was I was thinking about it too much. Um, I recognize other people didn't think about it the way that I did. Like if I was Mm -hmm. going out to, you know, going out with friends or so forth and I would tell myself, all right, I'm just going to have one 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 drink tonight. It would that one drink would always turn into more than that. Like I, it was, so it was, it was those kind of noticing that that was not, and it was not really something that I could, um, that I had agency over. It was, it had more agency over me. And so I started to, you know, I had a suspicion when I was around 32 that like, Ooh, this may be more that this may be unhealthy. Um, you know, prior to that, I was like, oh, this is totally fine. This is a normal way to relate to alcohol. Like I still very much had like a party attitude and whatnot, you know, didn't have a drink every single day. Um, but when I did drink, I really, really drank. Right. And at that in my 20s, like I was like, that seems normal. Right. Um, and, you know, people who didn't drink were abnormal in my mind. Right. So um, that just having that inkling that this is not healthy and, you know, kind of like circling around the idea of never having a drink again was like inconceivable to me at that at that point early early in my in like 31 32 around 33 though I realized the way I'm thinking about this and the way that I relate to it is unhealthy and that was such a huge um turning point such a huge breaking point I can't not mention it I get that that's not everyone's journey but um you know if there's something in your life that has that is that overtakes your thoughts um, and you find yourself thinking about it more. That could be right a number of different things, right? It could be finding relief inside of shopping or relationships or whatever that is. For me, it was alcohol. And I'm, I'm very, I'm grateful today that I was able to stop. And I get that everybody's journey around this is very, very different. Um, and I, I'm grateful today that it was what we would call like a high bottom. Like I didn't have to bottom out and be, you know, sleeping on a park bench in order to realize that, hey, maybe this is not very healthy for me. So I was fortunate in that way. But if there's a, if there's something that is getting in the way of other things that you say you prioritize, because it was getting in the way of um, relationships for me, it was getting in the way of career and financial goals um in that whenever it was presented as an opportunity like in my mind i was like oh well i'm gonna of course i'm gonna go out and party with friends of course i'm gonna you know when maybe i should have stayed home and you know worked on something Mm -hmm. you know that that kind of thing so that would almost always take a precedent and so that was my breaking point for sure and i can absolutely relate to my life prior to choosing to stop drinking and after. I do believe that there are aspects of my life that would not have been possible had I not stopped drinking. Um, And that was well over 16 years ago at this point. And it's definitely made things possible for me. And, you know, um, I get that not all of your listeners have this experience. In fact, my husband is like the most normal drinker. Like he can have a six pack in the fridge for months and have like a beer. And then like three months later, have a beer and like that was not how I thought about it. I was like, oh, there's a six pack in the fridge. Well, we have to drink that six pack, right? <laughs> that was that was my thinking, you know. Um, and honestly, I I stopped drinking at the time. I was a bartender, quite honestly. So, oh my God. so yeah, it was I was again. I was I I was fortunate that for whatever whatever occurred for me in this way that I, it suddenly became just just off limits to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, you know, and again, I understand that's not, not everybody can bartend while they decide to stop drinking. So, you know, so I don't really know. Honestly, I don't know how that was possible for me. But I do know that my life today would not look the same had I continued to drink. And I definitely don't have any judgment on people who do drink for by any stretch of the, um, but if there is something in your life that does stand in the way of the other things that you say you want, I would say really take a good look at it. And, you know, I, and even in, even if right now it feels inconceivable that you could cut it out, um, I a hundred percent felt like it was inconceivable that I could cut it out um, until I really started playing around with the idea of, well, what would it be like if I did cut it out? And, you know, um, and suddenly it went from being inconceivable to be like, well, I guess, I guess you can live a life without drinking. And some people do it, you know, like <laughs> prior to that was, I was like, how do you have fun? How do you, how do you get through the day? Like, how do you get to the end of the day and not have a glass of wine or what, you know, how do you go to someone's wedding and not toast with champagne? Like that's impossible, you know? And over time that did shift, but it started with, it was at least a year's journey of just like going from like, that's completely inconceivable to like, I guess that's possible, you know, and saying, and I mean, to, to use one of the 12 step adages, at that time, it really was one day at a time. I'm like, well, t for today, I'm just not going to do it. Right. And so this this idea of like it kind of circles back to this idea of like doing your habit one minute at a time. Right. You know, so it's like, well, for today, I'm not going to have a drink like I don't have to think about because originally my first resistance to this whole idea of maybe stop drinking was I was like, well, my sister at her wedding someday this is, by the way, she's not engaged or anything at this point. I'll just like, I don't know, wedding someday. I'm like, I need to have a glass of champagne to toast her. You know, like, I'm like, that's inconceivable. How could you do that without, <laughs> you have to have alcohol to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I went from that to like, well, just today I'm not going to do So like, I was trying to think like five years from now, how am I not going to have that drink, right? You know, so that's, 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 that's not helpful thinking, right? It's just like, yeah. what about today? And so it does kind of circle back to this idea of habit formation, really, you know, like just for today, I'm not going to have a end of shift wine, which was one of the things where I worked that everybody got to have like a, a glass of wine at the end of your shift. Mm -hmm. Like that was one of the perks of working at a French bistro. Um, but, you know, like, and so just from that, from that, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to have that glass of wine at the end of the shift because quite honestly, it turned into two or three glasses in the past, right? So it would, it would just never be one. So that was my breaking point. And if you find that there's something in there that's in the way, right, you know, inquire about it, take a look at it and recognize that you don't have to make a lifelong decision about it today. If you've, if you have something to look at, you can look at it for just today, just for today. Does this fit into what it is that I say I want in my life or does it not? Yeah. I think, but, you know, mm -hmm. I just realized that I have a final thought just to put the period on my breaking point. I had been thinking for years about starting my own business. And so that experience was really the breaking point of starting my, that's when I started my entrepreneurial journey. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I think both of you, do you have like amazing points, like turning, like breaking points that you took uh, as an as a great tool to change your life in a better way. And I think it also requires a lot of like self uh, respect to realize what you are doing wrong 
or what is not working for you and uh, turning it to, a, to an advantage for yourself. So I think it requires a lot of self-respect and self-discipline. Well, uh, which lead me to your second question, which is one thing that you swore by in your 30s that you don't believe in anymore. Hmm, this, is a this is a great question. You got first. I need. I don't about this one. I need to think about it too. That's a hard. That's a. That is a hard one. Um, you know, because I really. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would say this. Like, in my thirties, I definitely didn't think. I mean, it does. It does. I already kind of expressed one of the things where I was just kind of like, "How do you live life without celebrating with alcohol?" Um, you know, which did shift, and obviously. You can live a very fulfilling, happy, fun life. Like I don't mind going to parties and people are drinking all around me and having a good time. And like, it doesn't bother me at all, that kind of thing. And it's, I'm like, hey, it's possible for me to have a good time. Um, but and so I'm the sort of person who people ask how many drinks I've had and I don't drink at all. So <laughs> yeah, so it is possible to have a good time. But what is one thing that I swore by, like this might sound like, oddly specific so when i first we look we, we live in southern california i moved to los angeles i'm not from here originally and i moved here in my mid-20s and um i would say that from the moment i moved here um i was struck by i'm like what a for me i was like what a strange city having grow, grown up on the east coast to me it was like how do you raise a family here how do you you know because it does it just seemed especially the the people that i was circling myself with, you know, which were all at that time aspiring artists and and people in the artistic realms and stuff like that. And I was like, how do you possibly find a way to like have roots here and that kind of thing? And and I think I, and I said multiple times, like, well, if I ever have a family, I'm leaving L.A. There's no way. There's no way I'm going to raise a family here. It's not possible. Right. In my mind. Right. And so I think that and I literally said that many, many, many times. And so and, in, and into my 30s as well. Um, and I think that the, the takeaway here is that, like, you can find your community and you can find your your roots and you can make a life and a home for yourself wherever you are. Right. And the things that I what I where I began to discover, because in L.A. was a means to an end for me. It was like, oh, I want to get into the industry. And that's why I'm here. Like, and so, you know, everything else about this. But yes, we're by the ocean. And that's nice. But like, you know, I didn't live by the ocean because that was expensive. Um, so like, you know, I'd go a few times a year, but that wasn't necessarily like a, you know, a great. Um, it wasn't, a you know, a compelling piece of living here. But I think the thing that I, I swore by, which is like, you can't really have a life here. And it sounds like it's very specific to LA, but I, I want to bring it into a more broader context where it's like, there's ways to find your your community, your family of friends, your your way of of carving out a the life that you want, wherever you are. Yes. And that's, and that was what was, again, in, what was inconceivable to me became conceivable. And it wasn't even necessary. It wasn't out of necessity per se, but it was about finding the right, the right tribe, I feel like. And what would, what to me was not, you know, I really swore by like, geez, LA is just full of vapid people. And I'm, you know, I'm never going to find a, a, you know, good, strong, 
Sorry, that was my fault. I don't think Allegra's like making a face because she is in what we call a native LA person. But this was my this was my, you know, perception, not the truth. And um, so what I swore by was that like you know I'm I'm just here for a means to an end, and you could really find a way to carve out a life and a place for yourself inside of the the people you meet, right? And so like I really thought that you know, where I was, was dictating the physical place where I was in the city that I was in was dictating whether or not I was going to have meaningful relationships. Um, and that it's not possible here. And, um, and what wound up happening quite honestly was, is the opposite. I found really wonderful, like-minded people, um, through different organizations, like through the church. That's how I found, that's how Allegra and I became friends through different and of course, through different kinds of community, through the different artistic endeavors that I would, you know, would engage in and um, and through music and different ways. So, like, I think I, sw- I really looked at L.A. as a means to an end. And I really found like minded community. And I've been here for over 20 years. Right. So I really swore by like <laughs> this is not the place for me. And maybe you find yourself in a place where it doesn't feel like where you are. But like I found one. it started with finding one really good friend and it blossomed out from there um and so i don't know if that exactly answers your question but that's the first thing that came to mind it's exactly like what we were looking for okay hey <laughs> so i would say that the thing that i really believed in my 30s that uh i let go of completely was when i had so I was practicing environmental interior design mm-hmm. and I loved it so much. It felt like I had met my soulmate in a career. But the more I practiced interior design, the less I was enjoying it for a number of reasons. Like one, I was constantly in my car. I hate constantly being in my car. Um I, I'm, as Natasha mentioned earlier, I'm the sort of person who's very happy to like get something done and that's it. But sometimes clients are very perfectionistic and they're like, why is there, why is, why are my countertops no longer looking the way they looked when they were installed? And I said, because you picked a stone that you cannot juice on and you're juicing on it every day. Every day. (laughs) That's just, I am not a magician. (laughs) I am a designer. Mm Mm-hmm. And eventually I realized that, um, and we, this is something that we do in our course, Harness the Power of Planning. Uh, there's a Japanese philosophy called Ikigai, which is, sounds really weird to anyone who speaks English. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a dirty person, but <laughs> it's, it's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. And Ikigai means a reason for live, a reason for being. And it's about, finding something, a way to spend your time that is just perfectly aligned with yourself. And when I look back, I realize that the thing is, is I'm a very mission-driven person and interior design didn't allow me to live my mission as fully as I thought I would be able to for a variety of reasons. And when I ended up walking away from interior design, I literally never looked back. Um, This was actually the case where someone asked me like, hey, are you still doing interior design? I have a job. And I was like, no, you're not. (laughs) 
And I'm sh- I was shocked. Uh, so I would just say that, you know, keep keep yourself open. Uh, I tell Natasha all the time that beyond your wildest dreams is the most icky guy thing I've ever done. It's literally right in the center of my icky guy. Mm-hmm. It, it feeds so many different things that make me happy. And, um, you know, one of the other things I realized about myself is that I don't like physical products. Mm. And so one of the things that was challenging for me about interior design is it was just so physical. Mm. And I'm I'm very much an idea person. You know, I don't I don't like being hindered by physical things. And so like it, it might not seem like a huge shift, but for me, it was a huge shift to realize, you know what? I like ideas. I need to focus on ideas. And that's you know, BYWD is all about teaching and ideas and sharing information. So um, so I would just say that be open to your journey because sometimes you have to figure out what you don't like in order to figure out what you do like. And that can be really frustrating because you feel like you're wasting time. But, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> humans, a lot of us tend to learn best by doing, right? Like, especially if you have a sibling or a kid and you say like, you really should, you know, brush your teeth. Otherwise, you're going to have gum issues forever. Like some people just need to have the gum. I've got some gum issues. Yeah, they they will never learn from you telling them. And so that was that was my case. You could not have talked me out of interior design if you had said, "Allegra, you're really an idea person." You know, is this mission driven enough? I would have said, "What? This, mm. this is perfect. I love this." I had to go through the experience to realize that that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I think it it all circle back to uh, being honest to yourself, right? Like seeing what is working for you, what is not work, working for you, understanding why, and then finding a way to learn from it and not being stuck on it, right? Not yes. seeing it as a failure, but a, as a learning opportunity and letting it go. Because if you get stuck on it, Right? Like it will yes. destroy your whole life for nothing. You will just be stuck on it forever. Right, right. And I did a, I was interviewed by American Express when they were doing some small business stuff. And uh, they asked me, you know, for my number one piece of advice. And I said, date your business before you marry it. Mm-hmm. And I had done an internship with an interior design company. Um, and you know, I I really enjoyed it. So sometimes it just takes a little bit longer. But, you know, if you can, you know, do internships, apprentice yourself, try try it out as many ways as you can. But, yeah, accept that it's not always going to be right the first time. And honestly, I looking back now, I just feel like all the things that I've done really helps me in coaching people because I have done I have had so many different I've had I developed a food product that I was selling at pop up events at Williams Sonoma. You know, it's like I have this food background. I have this manufacturing background. I've done interior like I just I I can relate with a lot of different people because of my experience. So maybe that was the point of going through all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then come there's like, oh yeah, sure. No, I'm just saying there's definitely yeah, exactly. It's uh, there's no there's no accident, right? There's no accidents the way that things unfold, that the way they do. Like not to get super philosophical, but yeah, all of your experiences, 100% like culminate into, you know, your life showing up the way that it does, and and it doesn't. Yeah, it's not it's not an accident. Yeah. 
Well, my third question is, uh, if your 30-year-old staff will be sitting right across you right now, what would you tell her to do or not to do or to be careful with? Mm. Also, great, great questions. Just a great questions. Um, <laughs> really great. Um, I would tell her something we've mentioned already, mm. that the 70% effort is consistently is enough. Right. Um, because I really felt like in my 30s, too, I'd be like all or nothing. Right. <laughs> Funnily enough, not unlike my drinking, like all or nothing. So, you know, like if I, I would go for something 110 percent, but then I would give my I would be burnt out and then I would re retreat and yeah. maybe miss some opportunities because I was kind of like in a space of like re, you know, recharging my battery or regrouping. Yeah. And then and so. Like, so this like off on, off on kind of experience that I had in my 30s and my 20s, quite honestly, where I would be like full court press and really, really going for something and then really be burnt out. So I would tell myself that this because it doesn't sound sexy. So. 70% effort is not, a, it's not sexy. It's not like, you know, B minus effort. Right. B minus doesn't sound sexy. You want A plus, 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 right? Well, you know, I would I would tell myself that the consistency of 70 percent is far more um, effectual and giving in giving you results than this hot and cold um, approach that I was I was really allowing myself to, you know, or just like I was caught in that cycle. I didn't really I didn't really get that. I didn't get that the consistency um, is more important than like like major, major effort, which a lot of times so, so much effort with not great results or like just, you know, you give 110 percent effort into something that maybe is, again, not super aligned with my priorities, you know, because in my 30s, too, I wasn't very clear. Like I knew what my goal was, but I wasn't clear on my values and priorities. Right. So in a way that I am different now. So I think it's super valuable. Those those two things. One would just be like, what are your at least top three values slash priorities that you want to not just, hey, I want to live in an, you know, like in this area of town or I want to drive this kind of car. I want to, you know, like not just those things, like what values wise am I looking to like Allegra mentioned the word legacy. So, you know, if that's a word that speaks to you or, you know, like it's like, who do I want to be? What do I want to be about as opposed to what do you know, what do I want to sh what do I have like to show for myself? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And seven, 70 percent. It's not sexy, but it's effective. Okay. Very nice. <laughs> um, so. I the thing that's coming to mind is something that Natasha and I talk about in our course, and also we kind of have talked about in this interview, which is we're big brain science nerds. And I believe that the thing that would have been most helpful to myself to tell myself in my 30s and also my 20s, honestly, I probably could have used it more in my 20s, is you can't fight being human. Like mm -hmm. we are built a certain way when we do one thing, like when we do something, this chemical is released. When we do this thing, this chemical is released. And being aware of that just makes my choices so much easier. Because, like, for instance, when you go shopping, you are releasing a, a little hit of a brain chemical that makes you feel good. But that chemical only lasts a little bit of time, which is yeah. why then you want to buy another thing. Yeah. 
And knowing that can help make your consumption easier. Like maybe you do buy the thing, but then you hang it up in your closet and you wear everything that you have. This is actually something I used to do. I would buy the thing. I'd hang it up in my closet. I'd wear anything that was kind of similar to it. And then in a couple of weeks, if I still wanted it, I would keep it. And if not, I would return it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I ended up returning things. So um, so just being aware of your how we're designed, you know, read read books about how our brains work. It it will totally help you understand why you're making choices that maybe you think, why am I making this choice again? This is why you're making this choice again. Um, and I would say that for me, that would have been really helpful around around men, really, and uh, romantic relationships. You know, I was chasing after something that I was never going to find there and I didn't understand it because I didn't understand that really I was chasing these brain chemicals. Mm-hmm. And um, so understanding how you're wired as a human, you know, I read a ton and I'm not one of these people who's like, I only read nonfiction. Okay. Mm-hmm. I read everything. I read fiction. I read nonfiction. I read biographies. I read autobiographies. I love I I read social sciences. I'm constantly reading because I think that there's something to learn everywhere. Mm-hmm. So definitely if you don't know a lot about your biology as a human and how we're wired, do some reading about that because you might say, oh, now I know why I'm doing this thing that I don't want to be doing. Right. Gives you great insight. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I think those are extremely helpful <laughs> tips and uh, experiences to think about. And like we all said, and we all know now that we are in our 40s and beyond, uh, there is always time and energy to change, to learn from our experiences. And 30s are just the beginning. Because I'm, I'm oh yeah, thinking that you know now that I'm in my thirties, there is no way to change this or that. No, thirties are just the beginning. So I think there are so many time and so many experiences to to learn from. Uh, so enjoy those those experiences, learn from it, and use your time. <laughs> wisely 100 <laughs> percent. yeah absolutely there's a plenty of time 30s is, is plenty, there's plenty of time <laughs> well thank you so much for today and uh, i hope like people will come and take a taste of your uh, program in those two-day uh, workshop uh, because I think planning, learning about planning, learning to prioritize your life and your values are the essential tools that you will use not in your 30s, but in your whole life. And I think they are also great tools to pass on to your uh, kids and your loved ones, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. And I have I have one last uh one last little gift that I want to give your listeners. Mm-hmm. If you read any of our books, mm-hmm. which the ebook version of of three, two, one done is only ninety nine cents. Mm-hmm. At the back of the book is the biggest discount that we give for our cords harness, the power of planning. Okay. So for ninety nine cents, you can get that 
discount and never look at a to-do list and wonder where to start again. <laughs> okay. Win, win, win. Okay. I will also have all these informations uh, in the bio section of, uh, of our recording too. So please, please check those out and get that discount code then. And I hope it will work very well for you because I think those are very valuable tools to use. Well, thank ladies, you. thank you so much. Thank you. I hope to great time again, maybe uh, in the future. Uh, and I will definitely come and join to that workshop too. Fantastic. Great. About my experiences here. <laughs> I would love to have you. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I did while we were recording it. Remember to check the link in the bio for all the information provided during this episode. You can also learn more about Mastering Your 30s club and group programs and all the information about my guests at www.masteringyour30s.com. Listen to the new episode of Mastering Your 30s wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you for listening. Until next time, be good to yourself.